Everyone faces questions and decisions that require insight and answers as we move forward personally, professionally, and corporately in all areas of this thing we call life in America today. Hello, this is Joe Schofield, and I invite you to tune in every Monday evening from 6 to 7 p.m. as we talk together and hear from key leaders of all ages and backgrounds about your questions. Interesting, informative, intuitive, but always encouraging. Tune us in on BBS Radio Network. Join Pastor Joe and co-hosts Ron Greer, Dr. Paul Hall, Stephanie Thayer, and Dr. Craig Thayer in Raising Expectations. Well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this week's version of Raising Expectations, and uh, we're blessed to have you with us tonight. We hope you had a great Christopher Columbus Day, and remember all the good things that he did, and took spent time with your family and had a good day, especially if you have young kids at home, which we're going to talk about tonight with John Brooks again, our special guest from Faith Christian School there in Grapevine, Texas, and uh, he's got so many good things to share with us. But just before we do that, we want to welcome you. We want you to know we thank God for you. We hope that God's working in your lives, and uh, he's got the answer to every question you need and every question that you're seeking. Just go to him, and he'll be waiting for you. I want to introduce our team again tonight for you. Uh, they come from all across the nation, as you know, and beginning here on the West Coast, my friend of over 50 years, I know that seems incredibly impossible since we both look 20, plus 20 plus 20, and we're still rolling, plus almost, let's go stop there, huh, Paul? This is Dr. Paul Hall, and he's from Lompoc, California right now, near Santa Barbara, and Paul is a retired pastor, a teacher. Uh, he's built churches. He's built schools. He's uh, he's known here in the West, loved by countless people, and I know that because I'm one of them. So Dr. Dr. Paul Hall will be sharing with us again tonight uh, from his insight in Scripture and how that fits in the world today and what we're facing. So again, Welcome, Dr. Paul here, and you'll be with us from Long Polk, California. Gotcha. Okay, now we're going to go all the way across the nation, all the way to the East Coast, the Southeast Coast, in Dalton, Georgia, which is near South Carolina, as you know right there. And we have with us Steph there and Dr. Craig there. Uh, Steph is the founder, director, CEO of Quenching Well, who is uh, is a great uh, company that helps you to know what to eat, how to take care of uh, yourself, how to know uh, Christ as your Savior, and also how he works in your life and what he does to make all those things work well in your life. She's a nutrition specialist, and boy, I'm getting excited because this is October, so that means we have two months, actually a month and a half, and we get to have, what is it, Craig? Fudge. Fudge, yeah, we get fudge of the month. So, folks, fudge is legal during the holiday season, so you're going to enjoy that a lot. So, Stephanie, Stephanie's a great lady, and she's married to another great man, and that is Craig. We call him Tank, his nickname. Tank is a, a trauma surgeon, the kind of man who, when someone really needs someone to figure out what to do, they call on him. And uh, he's a great man of God, a great surgeon, a nutrition specialist. So, when you team Tank and Steph together, 
There's just no better way to bring together someone to help you with your health and what you're doing. And if you've got any questions about that, you go to her website, go to our website, bbsradio.com forward slash raising expectations and see about quenching. Well, check up on them, their picture, their story, and uh, see if they may not be able to help you. It'd be a great idea for you if you're wanting to get going that way. So back from South Carolina to Central America, the great state of Texas, <laughs> we, yeah, we have with us one of the greatest guys you'll ever meet, another wonderful pastor. His name is Ron Greer. Ron, actually, originally from up in Wisconsin area, I guess. And uh, Ron, is uh, he was asked to run for Congress. He's, you name it, he has done it. But right now, the culmination of all the things that he has learned, the way God's brought him through things, uh, comes together in what's called Man in the Mirror, a great organization there in the, the great state of Florida. And he helps disciple men, helps disciple men to understand what they've come through, what God was doing, and how they can grow through that and become better men for their wives, for their children, for their jobs, for their families, for everyone, because the light of the Lord Jesus Christ shines through them. So we're glad you tuned in tonight, because with Paul, we're going to look at Scripture and how it all works. And with Stephen Tank, you're going to understand how to take care of your body and how to understand what it's doing. And then with Ron, we're going to understand what you came to and how to put it all back together. We've got a great night tonight with a great team. Now, we're going to zero in here and look back to our special guest tonight. You all know, as you met him just about, what was it, like four weeks ago, I think now, that we had the privilege of having John with us. And uh, I hope, as I'm looking at this real quickly, because it just switched on me, but John is uh, John is a very special educator, a pastor. And the thing I like about John's life the most is that John has uh, been a, a, uh, an educator of parents, of students. He's been a youth pastor. He's been a pastor. He is now uh, executive vice president, working there with Faith Christian School with uh, Dr. Smith, one of the greatest presidents there in the world for Christian education. And John has a special gift from God that we're going to hear about beginning right here. John walks with the Lord. He talks to the Lord like the old saying goes. And he allows God to take the things that he goes through in his life and to better understand what education is and what it means to be Christian parents and to love the Lord to love our wives, to love our families, and to love his church. So, John, we're so blessed to have you back. John blessed my life years ago, and I had the privilege of being there at Faith Christian, and John's been a blessing in my life ever since. So, John, welcome back. We're about to do the round of applause, which Ron Greer has made famous for us, calling it the Raising Expectations round of applause. So here we go. Welcome to Raising Expectations. And, John, Come on in. We want to talk as you lead us today, and uh, we've been praying for you all week. Take it away. Joe, thank you so much. It is uh, so good to be back with the, the team. This is the A team here. And, uh, you know, as you guys got introduced, I'm like, there's nothing left. I think we've got it all covered. So, uh, you know, it, it, we had such a great time last time. Um, just really spitballing a number of, uh, of different issues and and things dealing with uh, the education, our kids, what's going on in the heart and minds of our students today. And um, I, I was just thrilled again to be able to come and uh, maybe dive in a little bit deeper in, in a few of those uh, areas with you. Uh, maybe even give you some examples of what I believe our people, our, our young people are craving these days, and that's hope. Uh, they want hope. Uh, and so 
if we can be hope givers, and we can, because we've got the hope, and if we can speak life, uh, we can, because he is the life, and we can speak Jesus into the hearts of these students, I believe um, bringing them to the foot of the cross is the key, and uh, in this crazy, tumultuous world that we live in right now, and uh, getting our eyes on the light instead of the darkness, um, that's the key. So anyway, I'm here to help any way I can, anything I can contribute uh, to the A-team, I'd be be thrilled to do. Well, I'm going to kick it back to everybody. I think, hey, Ron, didn't last week we finished off talking about, maybe you had a great question, if I remember right, about bringing stronger Christian schools, more their teachers, as John mentioned, that may be available. There may be more teachers than ever now due to the situation in some public school education areas. And uh, we were going to talk maybe about, John, building the family and uh, maybe reaching out through the church and the family to helping. Ron, you might want to follow up on that. You kind of had a question along that line. Well, I, uh, this is one of my ideas that I've been bouncing around and, and actually wondering with pastors. Uh, we all know that there is a great need for a, a biblically-based and centered education, but yet uh, there's not a lot of churches doing it. And uh, what I've been asking is, is there a way in which we could coordinate a, sorry, a collective of churches who can't do a school on their own, but who could combine their resources to establish Christian schools uh, and also give an opportunity for all those Christian educators who are stuck in secular government indoctrination centers to actually move into a place where they can actually teach and also uh, share their faith. Uh, because I, I, unlike a lot of people, I don't see uh, any um, light at the end of a tunnel for a Christian, for a public education. It, uh, it's, I don't think it's going back to where it needs to be. Uh, it's more indoctrination and, and paganism than anything else. And those my wife's an educator. I have multiple family members, a lot of friends, and they all, to me, no matter how many conversations we have, all uh, eventually get to a point where the idea is the hands are tied. They cannot influence the kids the way they want to influence and where they and they how they can influence them because they're they're tied. They're all tied. So I think I just want this idea that it'd be uh, a great idea for Christian churches to get together and do like they did in the early part of the century is they establish their own school and they fund those schools and they can teach based on the word of God rather than on what some government bureaucrat dictates them to teach. So that's my crazy idea. <laughs> what do you think, John? I think the, uh, it's so important to have a biblical uh, worldview that's an infusion and not a, not a sprinkling. And mm-hmm. what I mean by that is, Many times we will add biblical worldview to the curriculum. Uh, That is not what we're about. We're about biblical (laughs) worldview infusion. And that means that, uh, you know, mathematics is is Mm God-centered. It's order. It it is taking what God has structured in his creation from Genesis 1-1 on and um, makes sense of it, right? Uh, There's not a subject that we face that, that isn't God's subject. And so um, when you infuse, it, let me give you an example. If I took salt and pepper and I sprinkled it on the table and then I mixed it together, that is not infusion. 
that is mixing because I could actually separate those two. If we don't infuse with our students when they are in uh, preschool, elementary, junior high, high school, when they get to college, they will do the separating. That's what colleges do. They will separate and they will separate the dark and the light in, in the, in our kids and they will attack them in that way. But if you take a tea bag and you set it in water and you let it soak, it's going to infuse and you cannot separate uh, the tea from the water. It is, it is a part of uh, who, who that, uh, what that substance becomes. Mm-hmm. And that really is what we're looking at when we talk about infuse uh, God's word, a biblical lens, biblical worldview uh, with our students that when they go into college, when uh, they are b- bombarded with things that are um, anti-biblical worldview, immediately it goes off in their head. And they said, I-, I know where you're coming from and I know what you're trying to do, but I know what I believe and I know where I stand. And so the infusion there is uh, much more than just a sprinkling of, of of the Bible in there. So I want to make two two distinctions here. And Pastor, thank you so much for that. I, I, I'm, I'm with you. I love it. Uh, but I want to make sure that schools that are started by churches understand that they're not the church. Right. They're schools right. and they're education organizations. And they must do that with excellence, just as the church needs to be the church with excellence. And so uh, what we have seen is there sometimes church leadership doesn't understand education principles, best practices, things that need to happen in the classroom and in extracurriculars, all those kind of things that make up uh, that organization to be effective and efficient um, doesn't always happen because they're running this organization and they feel like, well, I run this organization, I can run this one as well. Uh, And very rarely does that happen in a healthy way. And so my caution to that is simply bring educators in and let them do education with a biblical worldview infusion, if that makes sense. Yes. Uh, that would be, that, that uh, makes that perfect would sense. Be, yeah. <laughs> Staying in our, in our uh, sandboxes, you know, is good. <laughs> yeah, which, is, which is something I didn't do this Sunday. So I, uh, Steph and I have volunteered to teach high school students. Amen. <laughs> I have depression. Blessing. Uh, <laughs> Great hearts. I, I, I took the leader of this group, the, the, the adult leader of this group, and the other adult leader of this group was not there this Sunday, so it was me. I had only met these kids last weekend. And I tell you, man, an educator, it's like I, we're going through James Bourne 5 this week, and it was like, <laughs> It's deep, you know, die to the world, live to Jesus and eternal life, right? So, but these, I put myself in their shoes and it was like, man, they, they're just, they, they don't even know themselves yet, let alone what they think the world is and how to separate. So, so I did, I did the, the, the honorable biblical thing and it, it was like the dead silence. And I just <laughs> said, okay, is golf a sport? They went crazy. <laughs> and they went crazy. I mean, I went through my spiel. I asked anybody want to talk about anything. Is anything happening within the week? Let's talk about How's it going with you guys? Let's talk about James. What I just said made it personal. 
I'm like just dead silence. I'm like, oh man, I'm failing big time. And then I, got, and I even went through like, what's your favorite, you know, Marvel era or whatever. And then when I got to sports, it was like, oh yeah, golf's not, bowling's not sport, whatever. So finally got up talking, but I, I can't imagine you, you know, and teaching kids. It's just, it's not an easy job. Hey, John. Hey, you really want to throw one out there, Doc? Just, just ask him if cheerleading's a sport. <laughs> they said, no, it was They said, but I said, look, back in my day, it was pom poms. Now it's like gymnastics. People oh, get yeah. thrown in the air. <laughs> I said, my water polo team, we had this big, it's time honored. I mean, it doesn't matter what age yeah. you are, it's always going to argue. It has to be a lethal object in the sport. So, like a puck or a football or a water polo ball yes. or water where you can drown. And it was like, yeah. So it was like, and one of the guys is on the team was a big cyclist, and he was like, "Oh, that's a sport." And like, what are you talking about? Just, <laughs> you can crash hey, with your own stupidity. If you've ever been hit by a megaphone, yes, it's a sport. That's, <laughs> no. that's the answer. Yes, it is a sport. Yeah. His yeah. wife was a cheerleader, so she will pinch him. Yeah, there yeah. it is. Yes. And if you're and if you're ever in Texas, always say yes, it's a sport. Always. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> always. <laughs> no, and being like a doc on the field for football, it was like I saw more cheerleaders injuries than I saw the football. That's true. <laughs> That's true. More injuries in cheerleading than, than any athletic uh, endeavor. Yeah. Yeah. Statistically, more yeah, I injuries. It. I believe it. Yeah. Most, Absolutely. most caused by the cheerleading moms, by the way. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. And, Golf is well, nice. Lifestyle. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I got us off track. Thanks, thanks a lot, Tank. <laughs> I actually have a couple of thoughts, John. So when, when we finished our chat last month, my mind was like, and I had this idea, and I thought, oh, do I even say this idea? Because it's a big can of worms. I think I may have even written to you about it. Um, the church that we helped to start in California before we moved um, is a non-denominational church. And so we had started from nothing. And churches have a very hard time getting off the ground, right? It's those first couple years as a church plant to become successful. I know there are organizations for denominations that help new churches get going. This We found one called ARC that was for non-denominational after we had already started. And we started participating in it because it was such a beautiful concept. And in my mind, I'm thinking, what if something like that could be developed as a mentorship? Because what happens is they come together and they share best practices of like how to present this or you're struggling with that or, you know, I mean, running a church is not just what happens on stage, like a lot of people think. And, and running a school is not just like, oh, we have a building show up at the church. Right. And so I just thought, how amazing would it be if there could be some kind of a repository over time? And something like this may already exist. I don't know that could be created. One idea was within a pure faith base, like your guys's school is through and through your family has to be believers. We're not doing church light, but also maybe a space for you are a public educator, how to let your light shine within the structure that you're stuck in. I think I think there's so much potential in those two spaces. So what do you think of my crazy idea, John? Um. Uh, no, I. No. <laughs> Are you gonna own this it? Is the lady that called me adorable last <laughs> time. So, uh, this is uh, be, be adorable, John. Be adorable. Yeah, I'm trying. I'm trying. 
they, you know, what you, what you face with, uh, with public education is a, a teacher who's doing the exact same thing in one school can't even do that in another school, right? It's all based on who their superintendent is, who their principal is, what they will allow them to get accomplished, right? And so I think there's merit to to say that where a teacher is, um, is there space in there, right, to uh, to be able to get away from uh, the yuck stuff and, and really be able to educate, right? Listen, all educators really, truly want to educate. They do. They, they have the heart for the students. They have the heart for learning. Uh, it's what they're having to educate the students on, which mm-hmm. is absolutely mm-hmm. just frustrating them to no end. Right. Um, and also, uh, the lid is the students that uh, the state is forcing them to have in the classroom, which is causing such a distraction that those in there who want to learn cannot learn. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, uh, so much of that uh, has changed the, the, the landscape of education mm-hmm. as well. There, there's just so much there that the, um, the frustrations are at a, at a peak. They are just so high. I was talking with one of our educators. She's one of our top, top teachers, master teacher, junior high, and does it so well, uh, ready to quit a year ago. Coming out, you got to understand, coming out of COVID and coming through that, that was brutal. I mean, she's an older teacher having to learn online, right? And all the, all that goes with, I mean, we're all sitting here going, I get it. We're quitting. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, uh, is the mute button on? I don't know. Where's the volume button? Yeah. Uh, but, you know, they're having to teach a whole a new way of teaching. Um, and uh, it was it was tough. And we talked about that. She was so grateful that she didn't quit because as things calmed down, she was able to get back into her rhythm. So many educators, their rhythm has been thrown off, mm-hmm. and um, it is uh, it's been it's been very very uh, challenging for sure. Would it help to have a library, if you will, a place that they could go to, right, for resources? Um, ACSI is a, is a great uh, resource um, for a lot of Christian schools. Uh, that, if you wanted to get uh, credentialed as a school, let's say that the uh, pastor starts a school in his church and, you know, you want to get accreditation, you want to get recognized by an organization that, hey, what you are doing matters and you educate well, uh, they'll bring a team in. They will uh, go through everything, mm-hmm. making sure that you've got uh, all that you need, all the credentials, all your teachers are up to speed. And uh, and then they will leave you suggestions and all of that. But ACSI is an accredited uh, specifically for Christian education. I am not sure if if in fact they have something like that on their website or something that you can go to. Um, I think 
we're in an age where uh, so much information is just at our fingertips. It's just where is it, you know, to go find? And uh, there's so much out there. But John, do you? I still go to like- YouTube myself. You know, <laughs> John, do you still like Summit Ministries with ACSI? Is that still together out of Colorado with good information, like she was asking for, possibly? Summit is strong. Summit. Strong, yeah. strong. Uh, that now they made me a little more narrow in their focus, Joe. You I know, see. as far as that goes, okay. um, and what they do, they do very well, and I think they do it very well because they stay on task to to what they've been called to, and their mission. But certainly, I would I would check with them. Yeah, it's a good one. So ASCI. Uh, so so, yeah. sorry, Explain explain what they do again. Uh, it's primarily so it's ACSI, right? And uh, that it's just an accreditation organization, and they do training uh, on uh, ongoing training. So they'll do trainings within regions and all of that, right? Um, it's kind so, of so, like so, so the training is the training is curriculum or training is at both structure and curriculum. Yes, yeah, for administration for uh, educators in the right. classroom. Um, for uh, those who serve on staff in the business office, I mean, they, they, they okay. just do it all, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's ACI, quite a, it's quite a process. I'm sorry. No, uh, I was just going to say that's the I, biggest organization um, right. in, in the nation as far as. Right. We had a, uh, we had a Christian school when I pastored in San Juan Capistrano and ACSI would come in periodically and do a total evaluation and boy is it thorough i mean top to bottom left to right and if you get some really good marks from acsi it's an indicator that you're doing something right but they're not afraid they're not afraid to point out areas of uh, you know needed improvement and things like that it was a it's a it's a good organization you know wow so you go through accreditation every five years with acsi If you're going to stay in good standing. Mm. And so our accreditation year was last year. So add that to COVID accreditation year. Um, (laughs) But years ago, you know, our, our, um, our president led us to the realization we're going to be accredited. So we're always going to be working towards that. Mm -hmm. And so we constantly fill files. So when they do come, it is not this catastrophic thing. We, we, we are just able to get right after it with them. And um, we have great business with them. Yeah. Amen. Now, now uh, any, so they do an accreditation. Uh, I guess what I'm thinking of is an organization uh, that would help a church establish a school and then have someone like ACSI come in uh, to kind of go over. So is there anything like that that kind of walks you through the establishing a school? Do you know what you know of? Uh, I'm not sure. You know, our school is now 21 years old uh, or young, 21 years young, if you will. Uh, I know that if there was uh, one out there, we certainly didn't find it (laughs) because. Trial and error. (laughs) Trial and error university. (laughs) You know, uh, you guys will love this, but I get a call one day. I was a student pastor at a, at a local church here, and uh, I get a call from this guy, and um, he says, 
can I can I buy you breakfast? I just want to pick your brain on on student ministry. Uh, and uh, you know, I'm all about kingdom building, man. If if mm-hmm. if if God sets up something, it's you know, it's his meeting, and I said, let's go. And two hours we meet. He's <laughs> he's got this crazy vision and dream of this Christian school. And he's wanting to know how do you reach the hearts and minds of students? And he is picking my, I mean, I am depleted, done, right? We get done with that. And uh, my belly was full, everything, I was just empty. And, uh, it, it was an incredible time. He took 10 pages of legal sized notes, the yellow pad, long, you know. And he still has the that to uh, this day. He was the founder of our school. Wow! <laughs> right? Little right. did I know, years later, I'd be on on staff at that same school. <laughs> that was a vision. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when my wife and I heard the vision before there was a desk or a pencil, um, we said, "We're in. We're oh, in. Let's go." So it, it starts with a great vision and then a very clear mission. And then staying on top of that, and then doing every sport under the sun first year. It's a beautiful thing. <laughs> yeah, that was miraculous. Yeah. Wow. Horseback riding, let's go. You know, <laughs> what? Okay, you know, I, I'm just, I mean, again, my, my heart's kind of uh, burning on that one because that, it's one of my, uh, it's one of those constant nagging thoughts in my head because I, 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 I did a church history in, in college and, um, and, that period of time in the U.S. development, U.S. history, early church history, and you look at all the the, the constant focus on education. You know, it, the idea of having a a, a local school uh, or having higher learning, it wasn't a, a secular idea. It wasn't some. It was churches that said, "Okay, this is important. This is necessary." And then you look at what they what was it was a Bible been the center, and everything kind of came out of that. And I'm going, all right, that's lost. How do we go back and reestablish that? How, how do we find a way to sort of drag people away from their concept of education and then give it a, a, a re-educate them to what a real concept is? Uh, again, it's, it's and again, I, I'm a former pastor and I, I love to beat pastors up uh, a lot, but <laughs> I don't, not only enjoy it, but uh, because it's, it's one of the things, it's one of the areas in which, you know, we've been talking about for years. It's good. How do you recapture the educational process? Because, I don't care what anybody says. I don't what you care what you do education uh, politically or any any other way. If you do not find a way to counteract what happens in the scoop education process, it doesn't matter. It will keep declining. Um, you know what? One of the things that um that we talked about back in the 1980s was was this idea of churches uh, in in a particular region coming together, pooling all their resources, and then finding people like you, John, and other folks say, hey, listen, we will pay you to come in to establish a regional school. And then once that's established, start, to start another school and another school. Again, a lot like they did back in the early, what, <laughs> that's 1800s. Right. Uh, because again, I, it's just one of those things where I'm, I'm of the mindset, having worked with kids and at-risk kids and prison ministry for all those years, we have to find a way and the church has to be there. And one last thing. Yeah. I, the, the thing that has always struck me about the, the Shema, uh, Deuteronomy six, it, it, when they asked, when they asked Jesus and, and Jesus, the greatest commandment, he gives them 
Nishima and then the one love your neighbors yourself. But what strikes me is you have this thing about loving God with our, all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then he says, and you have to teach your children. Mm-hmm. This idea that my love for God, my uh, devotion for him is lived out in training and teaching my children all those things that God has told me don't forget. And you go, wait a minute. So after he gives them the greatest commandment, he gives them this, this concept of educating our children. I think somehow if God says that's, a, that's right next under there, I think we should take it, take it as being important also. And I think we've missed that. I think no. the church has stepped out of that, that space and let someone else do it. And somehow we have to find ways of lighting the fire and saying, you need to step back into this space. Otherwise, we're doomed. Well, sorry, I'll, 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 no, no, I, I think that's valid, but I would add to that as well. Deuteronomy six is all about that, that responsibility being the parents first. Yes. yes, Right. Yes. Uh, Yes. You raise your children, you in your coming, going out and coming in, right. Scripture right there, right here on the portals of your forehead, right. Right. Yes. On your wrist. And so uh, it is really uh, essential. There's no way we do what we do without our parents. That's right. right. Amen. This Amen. Doesn't happen. Uh, I, we did high school retreat last week and uh, had an amazing time. God just fell on our, our, our students and we just saw amazing things happen. <laughs> Young man comes up to me um, and just falls in my arms. He said, I'm addicted told me what his addiction was. And we just hugged, cried mm-hmm. with him. You know, wasn't a whole lot to say right then, except um, this young man was dealing with shame, guilt, confusion. And, mm-hmm. um, and he just needed someone to hug, right? Mm-hmm. A hug. And I said, when, when we're done here, come find me. I'm going to be right over here. Come find me. We're going to get you out of this. Mm-hmm. And so he came and, um, and I told him, I said, uh, here's your number one step. Your first step is you've got to tell your parents. And mm-hmm. I'm going to call them. This was on a Thursday night. I said, I'm going to call them uh, on Monday. Um, and I'm going to see, you know, I'm going to make sure that you've communicated to them what you've communicated to me. Mm-hmm. And he said, Mr. Brooks, is that necessary? I said, absolutely. <laughs> I said, you got into it alone, but you got to get out with the team. Yes. Yeah. Right. And yeah. so to get out with the team, your parents got to be in the lead of that. Yes. And so we're going to, we're going to be hand in hand, but listen, it's going to be all right. They love you. They love you. They love you. And so, um, he, he let me know how serious he was because sure enough, he went home and he confessed everything. I told him, I want you to tell him how you got into it. I want you to tell him exactly what it is, you know, and how you, you know, the whole thing. And he did. And uh, I called. uh, And then so I saw him on Monday and I said, uh, how'd that conversation go? And he he said, just like you said, I didn't. They didn't kill me. And I said, that's good. He said, "Um, and my dad's waiting for you to call him. And I said, yes, I said, yes, Uh, we're going to say this young man's going to, he's, he's going to be free, you know, and I have all the confidence. I had an amazing talk with the dad Mm. who was so appreciative, you know, Uh, but 
parents parents can advocate education in Christian education just like they do in public education. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We see it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, one of the first things this dad said was, I've been absent. I am no longer absent. Mm-hmm. There you go. Amen. Yeah, amen. amen. And so, um, you know, I, I remember being in seminary and, and I heard someone was asking about being called to ministry. And uh, I, I thought a professor said it so well. He said, if God's called you to ministry, he's going to raise up a congregation. That's right. That's right. That's right. So uh, I think of that and in, in, in what we're talking about, right, in this. And if if God's truly put it in the hearts of parents to come together in this, I know this because I was one That's 21 right. years mm-hmm. ago when a group came together didn't have a place. I didn't have a place, right? And uh, But God just put it on our hearts, and we said we are responsible for our children. That's right. Amen. And, and this is where we're going. And, John, as we think about this, if I give a little redirect on this, too, because this is such a good point Ron's got there. Uh, I'm thinking about the COVID. I'm thinking about the things that you brought up. And think about, again, the great call of parents' responsibility with, with their kids. And uh, it gets abrogated so easily in the society we live in today. But I'm also thinking about the way COVID hit and a little before and everything after. Uh, the way that some of the parents must have had a sense of frustration a few years back that uh, they couldn't get Christian school started. It wasn't a possibility. They did not want their kids in the public school. And hence, we have seen this incredible homeschool situation take place where godly men and women have come together. And when it was fledgling, when I was up in Oregon and, and then with you guys, and it was just fledgling. And now they've got such a tremendous thing. I think it'd be great to have Stephanie address something there. She does a great job on that. And, and then maybe have you address along with, with Ron's great question there, something about how do they uh, get together and team up between Christian schools and those that are homeschooling, maybe towards building, like Ron said, a great Christian school. Is there, how can you see those? And maybe Stephanie, maybe you've got a thought about homeschooling there. You've done such a job on that. Yeah. You know, I, well, I've made some notes when you guys were talking. Um, there were two books that I was given when I thought I wanted to homeschool. One I call the homeschool Bible. It's basically your child's personality, your personality. What's a good curriculum. Okay. That's great. That's one of the flexibilities of homeschooling, but the second one, and I'm going to get it wrong. It was something like, raising a wholehearted child. And it talked about you have you have children for a reason. And our society has morphed into this. You have children and then you hand them away. They need to be in pre, 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 pre-K. And then they need to be in after school and before school and blah, 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 blah. And there's this amazing pressure. Like what's what college are they going to are they taking all the AP? Are they I mean these poor kids in high school, I have juniors that I mentor that are girls at our church. And all of their prayers are for school and that they're completely overwhelmed. They have no time, right? So something is not right there for 16-year-olds. I mean, they should be busy. But a couple of things. Um, If you look at the American education, how it started, you can find some of these old ones. You can Google it. The original primer, it's beautiful. I have one upstairs. Um, It is ABCs with scripture, with stories of creation. So as the kids are memorizing, they are learning about God's beauty unfolding in our environment, right? Which And 
as believers, we know anything we see, we can see God in it. So it's easy to get children to have that and come alive. Um, but the other thing that I hear a lot, and I, I don't think you have to homeschool to be doing the right thing as a believer. I don't think you have to have them in a private school. But I often hear, well, somebody needs to be an example in the public school. I just want to ask you, if you have someone who is young and tender and does not know their way yet, and your job is to raise them up, are you going to go put them with wolves? Of course not. You are going to keep them and you are going to raise them up. And so that goes back to kind of what Ron is talking about with our public system. And depending on your state, it's true, because I know some that, you know, there are teachers that can talk about God very openly. And then there are some that cannot say a word. Um, it is our job in the home as parents. We should be having that daily, regular, consistent example more than even talking about it, example of God, regardless of what school system they're in. But I think through COVID, more parents have recognized, wait a second, what are you teaching my child? This this doesn't sound right. You know, and I think the more voices that rise up and like we talk about all the time in the political system, we need more believers showing up to lead. I don't care if it's at school board, teacher, principal, volunteer, governor. I don't care. We need it at every level. That's my rant. <laughs> what do you think, John? I mean, how much does this begin with church versus state, right? The misinterpretation of the English church, not the Catholic church, influencing and having control over society, sure. over the government, right? So that's our founding fathers, probably. Like was, we don't want an English church to rule our land. It's not about teaching church in the school. I mean, it's just like, but it's but been it's been more. Yeah, we need to get back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, well, I, uh, there are two 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 areas that parents who uh, it doesn't matter the school setting. I would I would say uh, two areas they need to watch carefully. Number one is what's happening in the classroom. What because that's really what's going on in the into the into the very um, mind of your child, right? And then what's going on in the hallway. And I would include hallway to locker room to a parking lot. Uh, that is peer-to-peer, and that is what's going on into the heart of your child. Mm-hmm. Uh, what we have seen and what we are experiencing is a culture like none other, right? Right. You could go back in biblical times and and see cultures that were similar too, as far as the perversions and all of that. So I'm not saying that as a whole we're in a society that never seen it. No, but as a whole, the United States has never seen what we're seeing right now. And the, yeah. the woke and then the whole deal it is so confusing for our kids right now. And Stephanie, thank you, thank you, thank you. Yes. What do we do with the precious, tender hearts of our kids? Um, you know, what's happening to that? Yes, I would definitely be over the shoulder, zooming in, looking in. What's going on in the mind? What are they bringing into my, my child's mind? But then I've got to look other places to see what's going on into the heart, right? What's going into the ears? Uh, what What is it that's being shared that no adults around? when it's being shared. 
Um, yes, sir. Yes, sir. All day long. All day long. And if you think you've safeguarded that, by the way, you fooled yourself. As I sat and listened to this this young man at camp, tell me how he got around all the safeguards. Yes. Yes. Right. And so it's, you know, that's where we live. That's what we, that's what we have now. Uh, there are Christian schools, and I kind of mentioned this last time. We have homeschoolers in our in our program up through junior high, right? And and so they're able to take a class or two or three or four um, to supplement. Um, maybe Stephanie. Now Stephanie knows everything about everything, so no problem there. <laughs> but let's just say there is a subject that she she feels maybe just uh, you know what uh, I, I want to make sure. It's it's it, they're getting sound teaching in that, and so mm-hmm. they can take a class or um, as okay. it, just part time. Mm. Uh, also, the social aspect, you know, some are con- you know if if you have just one child and you're homeschooling that one child, if mm. you're not getting with other homeschool families, and maybe that's not a reality in your situation, but you can connect with a, a, a local Christian school that you, uh, believe in their mission statement. Uh, that would really help in the socialization um, of, of your child as well. So I want to say, I think being a good homeschool parent is recognizing when you need to outsource. There is definitely <laughs> a mass capacity in a variety of areas. And I know so many private schools that do offer something like that. Yeah. And so if you're trying to figure it out, go sit and talk with the private school. They'll probably have some ideas for you, mm-hmm. depending on what your family situation is. And so many, uh, so many parents are also uh, co-opting, right? They're they're coming together because yeah. Stephanie is really good at this, mm-hmm. and then you know Ron over here is great at this, and so yeah. they come together and they 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 do the teaching and they're mingling, and there's ways to get it done. Yeah, um, not everybody can uh, has the financial wherewithal to to do private education, which is very very expensive. But it's very, very expensive for a reason, you know, uh, because if you're going to do it ex- with excellence, it's going to cost. It's going to cost. That's right. Dr. Paul, you got a thought? We've got nine minutes. You got a thought, brother? I know the no, no, I don't have any thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> no, I got. I have some thoughts. Uh, Ron, I, I, I'm curious. I think I understand your heart when the statement that you made about how to re- recapture. Yeah, that's the, that's the word you use. How do we recapture that? And I was thinking historically in our country, Harvard, Yale, Princeton all started as religious schools. Uh, Princeton, as an example, uh, one of the presidents of Princeton University was Jonathan Edwards, who was very instrumental to the Great Awakening. There's um, there there when when you study the Great Awakening, there's. Um, there's a thought that there were there was that was more than one event. It, it there were a number of waves of, uh, yes. of 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 coming alive and, and spiritually coming alive. And when I think about this, um, I guess my heart guides me to Jeremiah. Jeremiah said at one point, "The Lord." This is what he said: "The Lord says, I'm doing a new thing. Can you not perceive it?" You know, and and I don't know how much. I don't know in my own heart and mind as I wrestle with these kind of things. I wonder 
how much energy should be expended trying to recapture, you know, certain things, you know, rather right, than right. rather than planting new seeds and seeing right. new things grow, uh, you know, right. things like that. Um, and not to disagree with you, because I, 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 I think I sense your heart about what's being said. I, I would love to see I'd love to see that that happen. Um, John, one of the things that that you talked about the last time that you were with us and and today, and I appreciate it so much, is that um, so many of our teachers struggle with um, the brutality of the atmosphere that they're in and the brutality of things that have happened. I certainly understand that. Um, I went to a concert one time, and you may have heard of this guy. His name was B.J. Thomas. Have you ever heard of him? I think so, yeah. Okay, so, yeah, he was around a long time ago. And in that concert, in that concert, uh, there was a question and answer time, and one of the persons said, well, tell me what it's like to be a Christian entertainer. And he said, I'm not. He said, I'm an entertainer who loves Jesus Christ, you know, <laughs> and to redefine that, uh, regardless of, of where we are. Um, last Sunday in our Bible study that we had or uh, our, our house church that we have, we, we looked at Jeremiah chapter 29. And uh, one of the things is. Uh, the people wanted to go home. Let's, I want. We want to go back to Jerusalem. And some people were saying, hey, hold on. It's just going to be a short time. And then Jeremiah says, not so fast. You're going to be here a long time. You need <laughs> to build houses and you need to plant yeah. gardens and you need to yeah. get married and you need to prosper. You know, yeah. don't. Do, and then he says, don't go into decline, but to, to grow, you know, mm -hmm. keep growing. So whether God... Uh, and, and it's interesting too. I'm trying to make a point here. If you read Jeremiah, if you if you read Jeremiah 29 closely, it says in in the first seven verses that it was God who sent them into exile. Right, right. And it wasn't Nebuchadnezzar who. Was, I mean, he was the instrument, but it was God who sent them into exile. And in exile, the point what Jeremiah made, if I understand correctly, he said, you can still sing the songs of Zion. You're still people of the book. You can still practice your faith. It doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter your circumstances. Remember who you are and do these things, you know. And so trying to encourage public uh, teachers in the public arena, uh, it, I know that it's it's a daunting task. But however they got there, uh, whether they were pushed, dragged, you know, or, or chose to do that, um, to to try and inspire them and encourage their hearts and encourage their journey because they feel so isolated and so alone. Yeah. And so I, I just want to I don't know if that made a point or not. I'm just <laughs> I, I just I just wrestle with these many things in my head because we we are we are where we are. Okay. For different reasons, and and God can use us wherever okay. we are, yeah. uh, for His glory and for our good. And so, I just want to make that point. Okay. Yeah, John, you got two minutes, brother, and then we had we had Stephanie. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, 
along those lines. And, and man, I, I appreciate that. That is a great word right there. It's a great right. word. No matter, no matter who that is, right? I mean, where right. I am in a difficult season. Um, sure. The book of John, when Philip uh, was called, um, and then he went to go find his friend Nathaniel, said, hey, you got to come. You got to come. Nathaniel's first response, right, to Jesus was, what good can come out of Nazareth? So, <laughs> and uh, and uh, at that point, Philip's going, I don't know that I'm going to win the theological argument here. you know. <laughs> and he just simply said, uh, just come and see. Right. You come and see. Right. Amen. And, um, you know, so then Jesus goes through this, you know, incredible interaction with Nathaniel. Nathaniel comes to believe. And then Jesus says, you know, you, you believe because I showed you something. But now I'm going to show you something that you've never seen before. It's going to blow your mind. Mm-hmm. And I do believe that that is the hope with our students. Hey, come and see. Mm-hmm. Right. See what God is doing, a new thing he's doing. Come and see. Know him personally, and then watch out. He's going to take you seeing him to a whole nother level. And I'm just so excited for this generation to see things that we've never seen before. And it's happening. Amen. Amen. And I love it because uh, we get out of the way of that because it's so beyond us. But it is beyond him. He's the one who loves us and can bring us right to himself. And I love it. Amen. That's a good word, boy. It's great when we got a bunch of preachers on, isn't it? I love it. Hey, Stephanie, you got a word? Yeah, we just, we hope that we add value and encouragement to you each time that you log on and watch or listen to us. We're just so thankful for the growth that God really has brought to this. Um, We appreciate you listening. We appreciate you sharing. We appreciate you donating. Um, you can do that at bbsradio.com forward slash raising expectations. There's a little PayPal button up there in the corner that you can donate with. You can also catch past shows on there. We are also looking for people that want to have a sponsorship advertising spot. You can reach out to Pastor Joe. Uh, his number is 972-922-8556. And I'm sure we could talk to John forever, but I want to highlight one thing. We have um, a regular guest, Dr. Marianne Cintron, and she reached out to me today asking for specific prayer. She is going to the next stage in her grant request um, to bring about a million incarcerated individuals a reading program to help them become literate. So if you are a believer, we would appreciate you praying for that in agreement that the grant will come through. Absolutely. Pray through the 15th. So, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we're so glad you tuned in to like. And like Stephanie said, if uh, you can find a way to help us this way, it would help us. There's so many things we want to do. We just need to get over humps so we can do these things and reach more wonderful guys like John Brooks and all the fantastic people of Faith Christian School. Uh, hey, give us a quick uh, email address there for you, John, that they can send to you. Sure. J-O-N dot Brooks. That's J-O-N dot Brooks at grapevinefaith.com. J-O-N dot Brooks at grapevinefaith.com. That's it. Okay, good deal. All right. Well, on behalf of everybody here on the team, John, we love you. We appreciate you. Say hi to Dr. Ed for us and uh, we know that you're all in our prayers there. And thanks for your insight. 
Thanks for your life, brother. Appreciate it. I was going to get you to give that John Wooden example. I still remember when you gave it, and I've stolen it and used it quite often. That was a good one. All right. God bless you. God bless you, Ron. Okay, brother? And take care of Central Texas there for us. Love you, P2. Take care of okay? <laughs> and on the far west, east side, take care of South Carolina for us back there. Okay, Tank? Okay. <laughs> All right. All right, ladies and gentlemen, God bless you and keep you until we see you next week, okay? Until then, God go with you and keep your eyes on Jesus. He's got something great for you to do. Thanks again. Amen. Amen. Thanks a lot, John. God bless. Thank you, John. Friends, thanks for joining us on this week's program of Raising Expectations. We profoundly hope you found it engaging and at times humorous. But most of all, uplifting so that we may, with you, one topic at a time each week, become more encouraged to move forward to an exciting future in, as we always say, this thing called life in America today. So let not your hearts be troubled, your family, finances, faith, freedom. It can be a great future as we talk, listen, respect, and pull together. Please let me hear from you. You can reach me at 972-922-8556. That's 972-922-8556 or Joe Schofield on Facebook or LinkedIn. It'd be a pleasure to know you and we hope you'll listen in again next week on the BBS Radio Network.